Hey, welcome to Bulls Gold here on Nothing But Net Radio, a part of Dash Radio. I'm Edward Schuler, as always, joined by Salim Sudawala. Salim, how's it going today? It's good, it's good. It's lazy Sunday, but uh, recovering from the tough Bulls loss, we were victims of uh, Damian Lillard when with his Dame time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just out of nowhere, he has six points in like, what, 10 seconds when <laughs> we lost? So, but yeah, that was... Uh, that was a tough. That was tough, but yeah, Sunday. Sunday is going well. Everything else is going well. How about yourself? I'm good. Uh, Damian Lillard has reached the point where he's kind of like how Reggie Miller was back in the day when, whenever Reggie had the ball, and it was like a crucial moment, you just turned off the TV because you just already knew what was going to happen. So Dame's kind of reached that point when he can just make fadeaway three pointers over Lowry marketing. I mean, that's just not. There's nothing you can really do about that, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean the Bulls didn't help themselves, but at, at that point, that that game was just when you when he hits those two shots, it's it is what it is. You tip your hat to him, man. This guy's made a he's made a name for himself hitting these ridiculous like both of those threes, both of them. Yeah, they were just shots that maybe like three other players in this league can make. Like he the the one off of Kobe, Kobe contested it really well. It was like 34 feet, 33 feet. I don't know how, how yeah. far back it was. He hit that. And then the one over Larry. I mean, I feel like Larry also defended that as well as you could without following him. And, man, it just that he's a, he's a killer. Yeah. I mean, when you can make video game shots in your sleep, you just got to tip your hat and it's on to the next game against New York. But we'll get into that game a little later. And uh, joining us on this uh, show to talk about the Bulls and to talk about uh, a trade rumor involving the team that he covers for hoopball uh lyle swiffenbank joining us lyle thanks for joining uh the show glad to have you oh thanks for having me um yeah no great to be here and uh yeah looking forward to chat bulls and and pills yeah thank you thank you so much for joining us yeah no doubt so let's let's just get right into it lonzo ball is available and there are a number of teams that have been interested in him and for good reason. Now he hasn't, it feels like Lonzo's kind of been off and on throughout his career. That's for sure. But the one thing about Lonzo ball that remains true is that he fits a need for the Chicago bulls who don't really have a, a player that can be a lead guard in terms of creating for others. Now I know Lonzo ball is not averaging a high amount of assists this year, but we still do know that he's a good passer and he does have pretty solid court vision so when you look at how Lonzo Ball theoretically could fit on this Bulls roster do you feel like that is true that he could really bolster a void for this team right now yeah well he's one of those guys I think um, a lot of hype coming out of I suppose the draft and then through LA and we've seen flashes and he's gone into a system with Stan Van Gundy this year where he really has probably, I guess, underperformed. He's had some good games. Like last game, um, or game previous, we played uh, the second night of back-to-back uh, the other day, and that was uh, Houston Rockets. And then against the um, the game against the Bucks, where he absolutely just came alive, um, you could see this potential and you can see this all-star sort of flashes. He definitely is a creator, and Stan Van Gundy has been 
heaped a whole heap of praise on him. So is David Griffin, the uh, the director of basketball operations for the Pelicans. Um, that he's this connector rather than a creator, but he he is so good at making the right pass, especially in the open court, and um, being able to look ahead down the court, whether it's off a rebound or um, you know bringing the ball up after a made shot. It's one of those things that there aren't too many guards out there that can really do that and aren't always looking up. You know, they might think, all right, well, I'll just wander it up to the half court and then commence this offensive set. Whereas he's sort of two steps ahead. And and unfortunately this year, the system just hasn't really, I suppose, ticked over for him and um, hasn't really fit in as well. He sort of had to play a bit more off the ball um, with with Brandon Ingram taking a lot of the, uh, the ball up the court as well as, um, Eric Bledsoe as well. So um, I think he definitely could feel that need. Um, I think a team where he can be given the ball and say, all right, well, now we need you to run the offense or um, lock in on D, well, yeah, he could be a good fit at the Bulls. Where do you think his shooting has been, the problem with his shooting this year has been? Because last season, uh, obviously, well, a couple of seasons ago, he completely changed the mechanics of his shot. And then came into last season and on high volume shot the ball really well. But then this season he started out slow. I know the last, not the last game, but again, you mentioned the previous two games he shot, he was shooting the ball, the three ball really well at that point. But again, last game again, he was bad. So he's been inconsistent this season. What What's the reason really been behind that? Do you think it's just maybe a slow start to the season um, or there's something more to it? Um, I honestly think it's the offense. Um, he's had to take shots that not always, I, w- I wouldn't say ill-advised, but some of them just haven't been particularly open. Um, when he lights them up, it's because the rest of the offense is moving. Um, a lot of his three-point shooting, the games where he's been on, he's been shooting catch and shoot from the corner. And he absolutely splashes the living daylights out of those, but it's these ill-advised um, come up the court and I'm going to do a little hop backwards into a uh, step back three that he's decided to invent for himself. And those are the ones that seem to be a bit of a, a coach killer, I guess, because sometimes, you you know, when you hit those big threes, it's big momentum builder, but if it's not there, then you shouldn't take it. And I think it's just getting that happy balance between going, all right, I'm on tonight. Everything's going to go in and the bucket looks like an ocean or, I settle down and I create for others. And we've found throughout the um, season, particularly with the Pels, it's been frustrating to watch at times, um, if I'm honest. You get this dry... When we play well, we penetrate to the bucket and kick out, but otherwise it's just this stagnant sort of, oh, it's my turn to shoot a three. It's your turn to shoot a three. And in turn, we've been one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the league. So um, in terms of his shot mechanics... They look heaps better than when he uh, first came to the Pels and Fred Vincent's been working with uh, him to reinvent that. Um, so I wouldn't have any concerns about his shooting form or or his shots uh, or the ability to turn it on when he wants. It's just the getting good shots. And um, if he can get some open looks and some corner threes, well, he'll punish other teams. So you said that you agree that Kobe or not Kobe White? You agree that uh, Lonzo Ball is a good fit for the Chicago Bulls. So, when you consider that, then it's a matter of 
okay, do the Chicago Bulls have the pieces to make a Lonzo Ball deal happen? And I know there are other suitors. So who do you think, this is kind of a two-part question, but who do you think are the best teams that have the best offers in theory for Lonzo Ball? And what do you think about what Chicago can actually bring to the table for him? Yeah, it's it's tough because I know Chicago want to put pieces around guys like Kobe White and and uh, Zach Levine if they if they uh, throw the bag at him. We'll see, I suppose we'll watch this space, um, but uh, it's it's difficult because you know we we want to go. It's either make a big splash now, and you know Bradley Beal's been floated as a potential trade target, and you'd you'd assume you'd be throwing Lonzo, JJ Redick. Um, probably a whole heap of picks because we got six or seven first round picks out of that um, uh, trade for Drew Holiday uh, with pick swaps included. And yeah, it, it's going to be tough. I honestly think if if we're not going to go for a big star, then there's got to be some equal compensation in terms of uh, like for like player, I guess, in terms of the age, um, ability, or perhaps picks to make up the difference. It's tough. I saw a rumor this morning actually um, that they were flagging or talking with uh, the Nets, the um, Celtics, and also the 76ers for JJ Reddick. So uh, maybe he gets included in one of those. I know we want to get minutes for Kyra Lewis Jr. to get into the offense a bit more, the number 13 draft pick this year, because he just hasn't had the ability to play too much. In terms of what Chicago Bulls have to send back, I mean, I don't know if you guys want to give up any young pieces. Perhaps, um, you know, I don't know if, if Laurie Markinen's in in a um, in the long term plans of the team, but um, someone of that ilk, I think. And I think David Griffin values him pretty high, and he keeps putting this price tag on him that maybe other teams might balk at. Um, but I think it's going to have to be some guy that's about twenty four or under, um, or we're packaging him for a big star. Yeah, I think that's what the the thought process is. It's probably someone like Kobe or Larry, uh, where you we trade one of those. I think probably less so Kobe because he's more under control. Uh, and then it comes down to if Lonzo Ball, you know, if if you're gonna keep him long term, um, Larry makes sense only simply because he is an uncertain as far as a long term player because he's not under contract going forward. Obviously, they do have the restricted free agents rights. But it still comes down to if they want to, you know, match any contract if he gets twenty plus million. I don't know if that's the case, but Lowry is someone that could probably fit in well with the Pelicans because of his ability to kind of stretch the floor and fit well with Zion. Uh, so that was probably more so the thought process myself I was having, like a Lowry for Lonzo swap, where you have guys that fit better in respective teams because like you said with Lonzo you have a guy that can defend and handle the ball again the spot up shooting you mentioned that's what his strength is at and that's what I think we need off playing off of uh, Zach and Kobe especially with Zach's turnover issues when he's handling the ball a lot his turnovers tend to go up and if you take that away from him become make him a strictly off the ball player um, you unlock more potential in his offensive game, I think. So, yeah, I think that's probably the lines that I was thinking personally. I don't know what Edward had in mind personally. Yeah, I think I, I think Lowry for Lonzo, 
almost straight up is that's probably about fair. Just two players who are both about to hit restricted free agency and around the same age, I think. Uh, I I think that's a fair deal. I I don't know how New Orleans necessarily would feel about Lowry, but he's having a he's having a good shooting year right now. I think he's shooting fifty one percent from the field or and about forty percent from three. Uh, again, I, I just don't know how he he fits with what they have, but I I think straight up it's a it's a fair deal. I mean, I'd be down for it. Yeah, and it seems to be one of those ones. I mean, we're so skinny at like anyone above about six seven. So I think getting a tall guy in that can shoot as well, you know, that probably be beneficial for the Pels. Um, in terms of Londo, uh, Lonzo getting um the ability to just be that lead guard, I think you'll he'll come along in spades if that ball's put back in his hands. Uh, it's definitely deferred to Eric Bledsoe this year a lot more in terms of running the the offense and um. I think it's it's been to his detriment. Hmm. And I, I think the other aspect of a theoretical Lonzo for Lowry trade that's interesting to me is just how the Bulls have been playing when they go small. I, I know right now where Wendell Carter Jr. is missing time with an injury, so uh, he, he's a key piece for us up front. But it, it just feels like when the Bulls are able to play small, like they're playing uh, Thaddeus Young as a small ball center and they can play Patrick Williams at the four. They could play Otto Porter at the at the four. Like those two can be interchangeable at the three, four. It, it feels like those are some really good options and it would kind of force the Bulls to play that a, l- a little bit more. Lowry plays well, but and, and we saw this in the Portland game uh, on Saturday, but it still feels like even though he plays well, he, he shoots the ball well, you're not really getting much anywhere else. So you're getting like, I think you had like six rebounds. Defense is still kind of like so-so. And you can't really like play him at, you still can't play him at the five all the time. And he's pretty much strictly a four. But I, I think if you can swap him for Lonzo, all of a sudden you get a playmaker, a guard that could play multiple positions and could guard multiple positions and all of a sudden I think the versatility makes sense so uh I bring that up to say this and or to ask you this how do you feel about Lonzo's versatility on the defensive end is he still do you still regard him as a pretty good defender overall like what's he been doing on that side of the ball he's honestly he's been really good um it's one of those uh I suppose traits that it gets overlooked a lot. Oh, he's not shooting. He's got the weird form. He, he's great at throwing lobs to Zion. But he, he honestly is a really good one-on-one defender. And I think, oh, especially on the perimeter, long arms. He's about 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, I think. And it really benefits the Pels when he can uh, make those interceptions of the passes because he reads the play so well. He anticipates the pass really well, so his steal rate's quite uh good i mean you can probably look at the the, the numbers that i have him in front of me but um he's uh very good at intercepting passes especially when um there might be an errant pass that might have a little bit of air under it he's going to get hold of it and um all of a sudden we're off to the races with a transition lob typically so i honestly think he's he's, he's beneficial and he, he makes other players better because it forces the ball out of the lead guard hand at the other end so all of a sudden you're getting non-shot creators or non-play playmakers with the ball in their hands and that um 
typically leads to more turnovers. So he um, he's definitely a good – I reckon he's above average defender. Um, and I think learning from Drew Holiday for a, a year and um, and now playing alongside Eric Bledsoe, who's all-team, all-NBA second team in defense last year, he's got the makings of a really good defender. It is just a confidence and a consistency thing. And not just game to game, but quarter to quarter, you sometimes get lapses, but it tends to be the whole team this year. So <laughs> um, he uh, he's not bad. He's passable. Yeah. How would you, when you look at the Bulls team and your evaluation, uh, how would you say that outside of a guy like Lonzo, what else do you see from this team that you think that's missing and outside of the obvious superstar player, but that maybe that they can make a few changes here and there that that you have in mind? I, yeah, I mean, outside of Lonzo, I mean, they do need a lead guard. Um, I think being able to play Kobe and Levine off the ball um, would just be so beneficial for the guys. Um, you, you can score. We've seen with the addition of Billy Donovan that uh, all the defensive stats have gone right up as well, which has been um, it's been refreshing to see uh, from the couple of Bulls games that I've got to got to watch. He um, you can really see that change in mindset, and the buy-in has been good. Um, I suppose really you need a second a second uh, go-to player. I mean, I know Kobe White's on the way there. Um, Levine seems to be the guy at the moment, but you really need someone that you can, I mean, obviously how many of those are there in the league, but um, you know, a, a guy that is a safe pair of hands when you need a bucket and can stem the flow, I suppose, you know, Otto Porter Jr. was uh, touted as a pretty good uh, pickup and then had all the injury issues, but you know, he was a solid, solid player. And I, I thought a pretty safe bet when they picked him up. Um, but a guy like that rangy sort of wing i think this league at the moment is is dominated by the good wings um and if you can get one of those um i think that's probably the next step and i think everyone's looking for the the good wing you know i think it's about six of them in the league that are that um upper echelon but um yeah that's probably i think that's probably the main thing i mean and just getting the guys healthy i, I know wendell carter jr issues i think um yeah just throughout the journey you haven't been able to get that consistency with the team because of these injuries. And, and it's tough for these young guys because they're trying to develop, but if they're not on the court, well, it makes it really difficult. But um, just getting that court consistency, I think there's some really good players there. Some, I don't think there's a, a guy that you would say, oh, I'd probably get rid of. I think with Patrick Williams coming through as well, he looks like an absolute stud. Um, I think you're well-placed. It is just getting that consistency together. One of the big topics lately has been what the Bulls should do with Zach Levine, who has been playing at an all-star level unquestionably this season. And just he, he seems like every year he continues to increase his offensive level. Right now he has a true shooting percentage above the 60% threshold, which is just absolutely insane. But he continues to do it as a number one option on a team that doesn't really have that that other guy, as we've been talking about, that can kind of like match Zach Levine point for point. So the Bulls are in a situation right now where Zach Levine has two years left on his contract this season and uh, next season. And the discussion among fans is whether or not you trade Zach Levine, you cash out 
while his value is still really, really high, you get some draft picks, you build this back up from the ground up with draft picks, whatever, whatever. Or do you re-sign Zach Levine? He's probably going to get something near a max contract on his next deal. And then do you try to find that next guy who can continue to, who can form like a really good base with Zach Levine and hopefully a winning team. So you, you watch the Pelicans, the Pelicans traded Anthony Davis, got all of these draft picks, got some really good young players in Ingram and Ball that have, along with Zion Williamson, have formed a pretty good damn, pretty damn good foundation, I think, for the, the rebuild that you guys are doing. So what do you think about what the Bulls are kind of going through right now with Zach Levine? It's difficult because, I mean, how old is he, about 24, 25? Yeah, he's, um, he's 25, I think. So. Yeah, he's 25. He's going to be 26 later this year. Late end, end of, like before the season ends, sorry, I should say. So, I mean, he's about to come into his prime or he's just starting to enter that now. You really need to make a decision on are we going to be able to extract good value from this guy? Um, because if you've already got one of these good players and these all-star level players, if you give it up, what are you getting in return? And, and ha- what is the timeline, I suppose, is the, is the big... Um, the big thing that we need to, I suppose, set out. If it is another lengthy rebuild, I know after the Derek Rose era, it sort of sputtered a bit, and and after the Jimmy Butler era, you know, we've um, it's been a bit of a rebuild up and down sort of uh, mentality. Now with all of the front office changes and, and coaching changes and the like, well, it could be a, a time to go. Well, let's go and start again and, and get guys in that we like. Um, but at the same time, if you give up a player like that, you're not guaranteed to get one back. At the moment, say you're trading for a first-round draft pick and it turns out to be a bust, well, all of a sudden you've given him up for nothing. You know What is like-for-like um, like value for a guy that's um, absolutely dominating this year and, and playing in an all-star level? It's, it's very difficult um, to do, especially when you get those guys, you sort of want to hold on to them. Um, that being said, other teams have got the same mentality. You have a look at the Wizards. like They just they have Bradley Beal there. He's averaging nearly 36 points a game. And you're sitting there going, well, what, what do you, what, you've put nothing around him. Unfortunately, Thomas Bryant's done his ACL. They flogged John Wall off um, for Russell Westbrook, who's doing nothing. And, you know, but they've got that tentative mindset. They're going, well, what can we get to to better ourselves and, and come out on top or, or at least even. And that value is so hard to, um, I suppose, dictate and, uh, and work out. But um, cause everyone values their own players higher than <laughs> the rest of the league does. It's just how it, how it seems to go. Um, so it's difficult to really um, know what to do until you have the ability to, I suppose, see who's available, who's out there and, um, yeah, what he's going to settle on. If he wants the max and you guys don't think he's the max, well, then it's it's time to get rid of him. But perhaps a sign and trade that'll then bring in the biggest salary and you can get another guy that's probably at that same level. But it, it is difficult. It is difficult to comprehend how much um, he's worth and whether or not it is worth blowing it all up and starting again when you have these good pieces like Wendell Carter Jr. and Kobe White 
Patrick Williams, Laurie Mark, and all these guys are, are good players and, and solid NBA players. It's just about putting it all together. So, I don't know. It was a bit wishy-washy answer that, but uh, I'm sort <laughs> no, of on it's, the fence. It's, it's confu- it, it definitely is confusing. Like we, We've talked about this a bunch of times, even going back to last offseason before Zach Levine really like took off this year. And while it's definitely true that the Bulls are not in the best position to maximize the the uh, for the uh, bargain contract that Zach Levine is currently on is a situation of one they don't really have a whole lot on the books long term after this season and depending on what you do with Lowry Markkinen I mean there's really no hefty investments going forward so they could afford to give Zach Levine another uh, contract that will be closer to market value than what this one is I, I guess the thing that is alluring for fans is, man, we can get these draft picks. We can get maybe a rookie contract or two. I don't know. I don't know how people are fantasizing that uh, that acquisition of what the Bulls could get for Zach Levine. But it, it, it really is a, a tough situation. It's a tough call. And right now, Zach, as, as we mentioned, is 25 years old, playing at an all-star level. He's become one of the like he's become a really damn good scorer. I mean, is he an elite scorer at this point? If he's not, then he's like right there. So it really is a tough call. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, it is a tough call. But it's it's interesting. Like you know, there's things that you can go about. Maybe instead of waiting till he hits free agency, maybe if you work on an extension this offseason, so you're not giving him the full four year max or five year max. You're just extending a few, like what, three, four years off from his contract from uh, this, from like including this next season. So maybe that could be a little better, a pill to swallow. Uh, and you're not just giving a, you know, you're not trading away Zach at a guy that, again, you know, he, we, we talk about his flaws. He has those flaws that, like we talk about the turnovers is the big, is a big issue. His defense, again, is it's been better. But he's still a, a negative defender, and you can't take away though his scoring. Like we talk about, he's he's nearly elite in this season so far. He actually has been elite. the 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 level of points per game and the efficiency when you com- combine those together, there's like a handful of guys uh, that are doing what Zach is doing as purely as a scorer. So. That that becomes hard, and then when you look to trade a guy like that, okay, where are you gonna get from him? Teams that are gonna call are probably gonna offer what a mid middle of the pack for a strong pick. So you're not really are you gonna get a lottery, a high lottery pick for Zach? I don't know. Um, and uh, what are what players are you gonna? Let's say for example, teams that we've talked about, uh, Denver, uh, Dallas, like Dallas, what they're gonna offer like Tim Hardaway Jr. and late for a strong picks. I don't know how that's really going to help the Bulls going forward become a better team uh, unless you really, you know, hit on those late first round picks, which is harder to do, harder said than done. So it, that, that's the conundrum with Zach Levine, I think, is it's hard to give up good players and then expect to become better going forward. Yeah. And it, it's also a little bit telling to me, and granted, it. You know, whatever you think of the Knicks' current front office is whatever you think, but it's a little telling to me that a team like the Knicks would want Zach Levine. <laughs> like, the, I mean, are the Knicks and the Bulls in any like significantly 
like different position to really, really win right now? To me, no. So like if a team like the Knicks is saying, yo, we need to get Zach Levine. I'm saying like, then why do we need to move him? Like we can, we can resign him. We can put some pieces around him to compete. Like Zach Levine right now to me, and I'm sure Salim feels the same way. He's a building block. And that's a big thing when you consider that this team doesn't really have, I mean, granted, we like Kobe White, we like Patrick Williams, you know, whatever, whatever. But, you know, that that's still built on potential and hope. And Zach Levine is really the only thing we know for sure is someone that you can build with. Yeah, exactly. That's why we talk about, OK, you can't build around him. And as Edward said, a building block. So put players around him that bring out the best in Zach. And that's why the Lonzo Ball comparison or thought process comes in it's funny you talk about Alonzo as a shooter you know and he does have his struggles he's been bad this year but his I looked at his offensive RPM uh the, the stat that ESPN does and he's on offensive RPM alone he's 16th in the league on that so it's, you still kind of see the impact he brings offensively because he's a, such a smart high IQ player uh he's good at you know getting his team teammates involved making the right plays on offense and I think, like I said, if you give Lonzo the ball, tell Zach, look, we we appreciate your ball handling, but let's just let's just have you play off the ball more. You can still get your shots. You you will get your shots still, but it'll just be more in a sense of being being that primary offensive guy that doesn't really go out there to make the decisions. And that I think, if you can build with him in that sense, I think you have something then. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of those things that if you can get the ball out of your best scorer's hands, then all of a sudden he just has to do a bit of off-ball running and he's getting them in good spots, making his game easier. And you're also not tired from having to jog the ball up and then make a decision on the play and then pass it off to then just run a lap of the whole offensive uh, side of the court and then just catch it again and, and all of a sudden you're tired. Whereas Lonzo's really good at pushing the ball up the court so that you've got a lot of shot clock to get into your offensive set, especially in the half court. And then it makes it easier for the other guys. You see guys like Brandon Ingram, he'll catch it, I don't know, about the free throw line, one dribble, go straight into a shot. And that's because guys like that are just feeding him straight in. And all of the good offensive players play better when they don't have to dribble the ball. (laughs) Honestly, I believe that uh, to a T. If they don't have to have the ball in their hands and, and bounce it and use energy, they're more likely to hit a shot. Um, Lonzo has a, a pretty good ability to put it into the right spots. And, of course, there's going to be turnovers now. And then you, you, you're handling the ball. That's just inevitable. And the Pelicans get caught up in it a bit and like to uh, try to outrun other teams and realize we're not that good. So <laughs> it makes it um, makes it difficult and you turn the ball over with some silly ones. But he, um, yeah, he definitely brings something to a team. And I like when he plays for us. I think what you said is key because one of the things that we went into the season uh, discussing is whether Kobe White could be a lead guard, lead play, playmaker or not. And so far, Kobe White has kind of been, he's kind of been really up and down this season. And that's to be expected, you know, you know, developing into a new role like this where he's now the starting point guard of a team. And I, I think a lot of the discussion was whether or not Kobe and Zach, while they were they're fun to watch together, they are sort of redundant because they are both 
scoring mindset players and neither one of them is a pure playmaker in that sense so theoretically if you could get Lonzo Ball one of the things that excites me is being able to see Kobe White more in a role that I think fits his skill set better because I think you could honestly play some three guard lineups with Lonzo, Zach and Kobe and Kobe could play more off the ball a little bit or theoretically you could bring Kobe off the bench as a six man and he could come in and he can get his shots, he can get fed. So I think there's a little bit more options in what you could do with Kobe as opposed to, you know, even though I'm, I completely support him trying to develop in this role and seeing what he can do in it. I think there's so many, I think there's so much more benefit to him playing with a, uh, a primary facilitator like Lonzo Ball or whoever that may be that can allow him to do the things that he does best. Yeah, absolutely. Completely agree. Um, my point guards are there to make everyone else's job easy. You know, they're meant to steer the ship and if you've got one that can do that. Mm-hmm. It just makes everyone else's life so much easier. And especially if you've got a bloke that can defend as well, because then you can hide the defensive struggles at the other end, particularly when they start getting tired because they're lofting too many shots. If you've got a plus defender on alongside a guy, you can sort of hide them and, put the worst defender or the best worst scorer on um, on your matchup and put Zach Levine on, I don't know, whoever's not a shooter. Mm-hmm. And um, you can get away with it. So, I mean, it's, yeah, as long as we can get something good, <laughs> I'm sure that'll, they'll be talking about it. <laughs> definitely, definitely. I, I do want to ask you about the Pelicans. I don't want to, I don't want to bring you on and just talk about the Bulls, even though we are a Bulls podcast, but uh just want to say, I know looking at that t- them, they're in a interesting situation themselves with having a lot of younger talent with a lot of picks and various assets they have, and obviously you have Zion, who's a transcendent uh, talent and a guy that has the potential to be you know that top ten, top five player. But at the same time, in today's league, you you find run into that situation where it's harder to build around a big. Uh, what do you see the Pelicans doing this season? You know, we've talked about the various trade rumors. Do you think they're just looking to offload maybe more so and collect more assets or maybe try and see if they can build a more competitive product this season and not just, you know, wait for a future future sense? You know, I, th- I think the, the failings of a bygone era, you know, with the Anthony Davis and the like, was the inability to put players around these the start you've got these transcendent talents and and we keep lucking out and getting another one and the inability to then put guys around our stars has been the big failings you know you've got Brandon Ingram who's now turned into an all-star phenomenal talent and we've got the one-two punch with him and Zion and Zion honestly that kid is so good he's played 41 games now and I think it was second all-time tied with David Robinson, I think, for most 20-point games in his first 40. And the only person that had more was Michael Jordan. Absolute beast. Honestly, watching him, yeah, I can't talk highly enough about that kid because he is so good. He's only just turned 20, I think. I think he turns 20, 21 oh, in a couple of months. Or He's, um, he's only so young. And um, honestly... It's difficult to know what David Griffin and, and Trajan Langdon are thinking because we get a lot of smoke and mirrors. I mean, JJ hasn't played the last two games, um, coach's decision. So 
Um, could he be gone? I'd probably say so. No doubt there'll be something packaged along with him. I'd, I'd say I don't think it's just going to go for free. Um, as to whether or not it's to get another pick and then move subsequent picks, and I think we've got two every year for the next six years or something like that um, to, in terms of first-round draft picks um, and not including the pick swaps that we've also got from Milwaukee. Um, it's going to be difficult to know, but I think they don't want to replicate what happened with Anthony Davis and having to trade guys like Drew Holiday and um, and him and and AD, you know, force them to leave because of the lack of success. So I think we're nearing win now mode again. Everyone, even Brandon Ingram's like twenty three. So even though he feels like he's been around the league for ages, we've we really need to swing for the fences if not this year, probably next year because everyone's still under control. Brandon Ingram signed this big uh, max deal in the off-season. So we've got guys under control. It's just when do you make the move? Because if we hadn't dropped uh, three or four games that we were comfortably ahead earlier on in the season, we're right up there in the West. I mean, there's only about three or four games between 12th and, and, uh, and 5th, I think. So they'd be right up there. I mean, Dallas Mavericks have one more win than us and um all of a sudden everyone's going oh look how good these guys are they've been up and down as well but you know they're a team that people consider to be good in the west um with Luca and, and Porzingis and we're only one game behind so it's difficult to know but if a player becomes available no doubt the uh men much smarter than I in the uh in the um front office will make that that right decision and go and get someone and make the play you mentioned that uh, Zion doesn't turn 21 until for a few months. And uh, I mean, obviously what he's doing is fantastic. What do you think is his next significant step in his development that he needs to make? Oh, it's tough because he started hitting threes now as well. So um, <laughs> he's sort of doing everything. Uh, his fitness has gone right through. I mean, really for a bloke that's played 40 games, it feel, even though he's number one draft pick last year, had all the injury issues. So he's halfway through his rookie season. And, and what we're seeing is that he's the best player in the paint in the whole league. Um, doesn't matter who you throw at him. He just absolutely decimates him. Doesn't matter if you put big bloke, small bloke, you have to double team him. And you'd think theoretically that would be good for our team, but we can't shoot. So that doesn't help when you've got open threes and you can't hit them. I suppose yeah. his next step is that facilitating um, you know, he showed flashes of it in the in the Bucks uh, game. He had six or seven assists, I think, and um, he really showed this ability to find the open man and and make the right play instead of just having to bully ball in. Um, honestly, I suppose that is maybe the the next step. He, he, we don't want him to shoot threes. We don't want him to start becoming trigger happy because his biggest strength is that he's so strong, you know, like he just absolutely ruins people down low. And um, so I suppose that's probably the, the big thing is that that ability to find the right man out of the post and know when it is consistently to either go up strong or kick out and then hopefully get a three or, or a, another drive and kick, you know. But um, I think that's probably the, ne- the next step for him. Otherwise, he's, he's really good, honestly. I'd sit there watching, I'll go... Besides the dumpster fire that everything else is going on, this guy is just like, yeah, we'll be all right with him. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, I think one thing I would say he probably surprisingly 
needs to look at improving on is, is his defense. I think I was watching a few of uh, the games and I was watching him have struggle on the help side defense a little bit. And I think that has more to do with being a young guy and not recognizing when to rotate over and, and, and hit the right spots on, on team defense. And I think that'll help with a guy like Stan Van Gundy on his team, coaching him up. Um, that's probably another step that he needs to really become where he becomes a force on both ends of the court. Yeah, I agree with that. Absolutely. I think um, particularly with the team, a lot of them fall asleep now and then on defense and sort of bail out uh, Stephen Adams and, and just say, well, Stephen's there so he can just sort it out. And unfortunately that <laughs> we get caught out more often than not. I think as well, like my point earlier about players getting, um, you know, when you're doing so much in the offensive end, you get exhausted. And I think that's something that he's still getting is that fitness while it's getting there. That two-way running is definitely something that um, I think the whole team need to work on, actually. But Stan's the guy. He's the defensive mastermind. So hopefully we can sort that out. All right, Lyle, thank you so much for joining us on Bulls Gold. Blast talking with you. Can you let our listeners know where they can follow you on social media and what you're working on right now? Yeah, no, thanks very much for having me, guys. Um, Yeah, so at Lyle Swithenbank, uh, just how it sounds. I know it's a lot of letters. Um, On Twitter, um, as well as at HoopBallPels is my show. It's a Pelican Scoop, uh, hoop-ball.com presentation. Um, Yeah, we're basically just doing shows after every game um thereabouts and yeah we just chat pills get lots of guests on lots of good fun and um yeah otherwise i just navigate the jungle that is pelicans twitter um, <laughs> so yeah thanks very much for having me guys it's been great yeah no problem man salim any final thoughts before we head out yeah just hopefully uh thank you again to lyle for joining us and giving us his thoughts i know the lonzo ball topics amongst bulls twitter is kind of a, a polarizing because people either hate him or understand like the qualities that he does bring. I think the shooting thing is I really like Lyle giving his insight on what the issues has been with his shooting. Um, I think that does answer some good questions there. But outside of that, it'll be interesting to see how the Bulls handle this upcoming uh, stretch. They have, like, what, 17 games in, like, 32 days or something like that. Yeah. Uh, that's going to be – I think it'll probably – help AK along as well. I know we've constantly hammered in on about how at some point AK is going to have to make, you know, roster changes one way or another. And I think it'll be interesting to see if the Bulls, if they can, if they navigate into that playoff spot, I think they're all, it's right now they're like a half a game out still uh, just because the East is not as crazy as the West and that, you know, that down bottom range. Uh, so they still have an opportunity to maybe, try to sneak in into that playing game, but maybe even sneak in and surprise it, surprise everyone and grab one of those playoff spots. Yeah, absolutely. And the next four games are winnable. A uh, pair of games against the Knicks and then a pair of games against the Orlando Magic. And then after that, you have uh, Washington uh, on uh, next Monday. So the Bulls could, could do some damage in that stretch. I'd, I'm not expecting them to win each of those games, but yeah, there's definitely a chance for the Bulls to, you know, get a little bit of momentum here in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So we'll we'll see what happens. Hopefully, they can continue to build, and unfortunately, going to have to do without Wendell for the next month, and and we'll see what happens though. 
did. I mean, they might not even need Wendell with Felicio throwing dimes like he did against Portland, man. Like, <laughs> Felicio, man, that was – he played well that stretch that he came in in that second quarter. I was surprised. I was like, hey, he's actually not playing bad. I mean, contract year Felicio, man, is a problem. <laughs> <laughs> a big problem. <laughs> for sure, for sure. All right, well, that wraps up uh, – today's bulls gold as always you can follow us on twitter at bulls gold you can check out our past shows on podbean spotify on apple wherever you get your podcast and you can always catch us here every tuesday morning at 9 8 central on nothing but net radio part of dash radio for salim sudawala i'm edward Schuler. this has been bulls gold and we will catch you next time bulls fans. Yeah.